Welcome to Raw Relationships, the podcast that keeps relationships real and wonderful. I'm Melissa, and I'm your host. So welcome, listeners, to my podcast. Tonight, we will be interviewing Dr. Clarissa Hughes. She is a certified mindfulness coach for women and the founder of The Little Breathing Space. Through her programs and retreats, Clarissa offers women practical, grounded, and even fun ways to create time and space in their lives, to slow down and to thrive. Through mindfulness approaches, she empowers women to take care of themselves mentally, emotionally, physically, even financially. Freed from their inner critic, women can become their own best friends. What a, what a great uh, thought. <laughs> so without further ado, let's bring Clarissa in. Welcome, Clarissa, to the podcast. Thank you so much. Hi, everybody. And I'm really delighted that Melissa invited me to join this show. Great, great. So women being their own best friends, what a, what a, what a vision, hey? Like for, for myself, you know, we're such hard critics on ourselves. It's, it's just such a, even myself, and I am mindful. <laughs> so even, you know, it, it, it's so ingrained into us. So please tell me how you, how you help women with this. Well, I think one of the things you touched on there, Melissa, is actually learning to shut down that inner critic. And I'm like you, I've had my inner critic and it held me back for a long time. And mm-hmm. I think first of all is, is really um, we acknowledge that we have an inner critic. And I think a lot of right. the time we're not really even aware of that little voice. Right, right. Now, where do you think that little voice comes from oh I think it comes from um, partly it's our upbringing I think girls have a bit of a be nice be a nice girl conform in a certain way for younger women I mean social media is certainly setting up a lot of external pressures on younger women to look a certain way be a certain way and we're a bit hardwired to being negative and judging. It's kind of like the brain's default. So right. we're also trying to retrain our brains. Right. I, I often wonder why our brain is defaultly wired that way. Well, it's partly to do with survival. I mean, you know, we, we're, traditionally we're about fight and flight, taking care of ourselves, being awake and aware that there might be danger. Fantastic when we were, you know, on the savannah and and running around with a saber-toothed tiger chasing us. But, you know, now we live in relatively safe environments for for many people and many of your listeners. And that fight-and-flight mode is still there, but it's turned almost inwards on ourselves. Right. Right. So it's like a primitive, a primitive thing that we have, but we just don't really, there's no use for it as um, evolution, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, as we've progressed as humans, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we do need it sometimes. If your kid runs in the road, you definitely want fight and flight to, you know, rescue. But a lot of the time, we're then hardwired to the negative. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then that's about, I don't look very nice, or I'm going to judge what that person looks like. And and that's our default mechanism. And it's very destructive. Right, right. And and that's that's a huge um, point you just made, you know, pointing out somebody else not looking nice a certain way. It, it really just projects how we feel about ourselves, right? Because if we love ourselves, then everybody else would be beautiful in their, even if they weren't physically beautiful, they're beautiful in their own way, right? You would be aware of that. Yeah, exactly. And we, we start to create and hold a bit of space for other people. You know, we start to listen to them. We start to look at them. And it's not our judging whether they fit our reference model. We see other people as if they were, the, you know, like us. We are, we're more alike than we're different, which we don't at the moment. We're looking for the differences so we can kind of, you know, well, that person didn't say something or this was good or this was bad. But if we can work with mindfulness, we start to begin to see that there are more similarities. I can hold space for another person, and I'm not jumping to judgment. I'm, I'm able to, to sort of be open. Right, right. And, and, yeah, it's just I think it's a whole different realm, you know, for some people. And like you said before, a lot of us don't even realize that we have, you know, those those negative thoughts. So becoming aware is the, is the number one um, easiest way. So can you tell our listeners um, how you would use one of your mindfulness approaches? Yes, of course. Um, well, one of the ways we do is to start to um, learn to tune in to um, sound. It's actually a meditation that I do with, with sounds with, with my students. And we do that because sounds are something we can't control. Um, You know, you can't decide whether there's going to be a noise from the street or in your house or anywhere else. And by learning to just listen to them, accept them, and try really not to label the sound when you hear it, because immediately we'll say, well, that's the noise and that's nice. We just listen to it. We begin very slowly to cultivate um, the ability to let something just just be there and accept it for just what it is. And it's really like a starting point to do that, listening to sounds. Right. Okay. Yeah. So you say meditation. Would that be uh, like a musical meditation or a guided meditation that you that you would use? It's a guided meditation where, you know, I'll guide the person into the meditation. We then have periods of silence, you know, and we listen to the sound. And then obviously afterwards we talk about it. We talk about not just what people heard, but how they feel. Did you hear something you didn't like? How did that make you feel? Did you want to give it a label? Did you want to say it was a horrid sound, a nasty noise? Or did you see, hear something that you really loved? And then you wanted to grasp after that because that's our other tendency is that then in rejecting the things we don't like, we grasp after the things we do like and create a kind of an imbalance in ourselves. Right, which makes perfect sense to me. Um, 
I know I've done a lot of um, mindfulness work on my for myself through my journey. Um, and what do you like? A lot of people when they hear the word meditation, they think hours and hours and hours of sitting still and and this and that. Can you kind of debunk the <laughs> that whole that whole thing for me? <laughs> Because I just I feel a lot of people are put off by it, and I always tell people like even if you can do it for five minutes, when you think of it, do it for five minutes, and then carry on with your day. You know, um, tell talk about that if you would, please, Carissa. Uh, yeah, I will talk about that because I think my first myth that I like to debunk is that mindfulness is all about meditation. That's the mm. first. The first thing I really like to say is that meditation is an important part of mindfulness, but it's not all of it. Um, And yes, 10 or 15 minutes of meditating every day is very good for you. And we know it's good for you on a a basic physical level, on an emotional and mental level. Um, Mm -hmm. And we use it in mindfulness because it helps us to train our brains to let things be there so that we don't resist the things we don't like or get carried away by our thoughts. We use it more as a tool, even though meditation practices are good for you. Mm -hmm. And they are, you know, 10, like you said, five minutes, 10 minutes, hey, that's all you need. You know, you don't need to be sitting for hours and hours. And and I'm, you know, I would say to people if they were training with me, number one is, if you want to sit on a stool, lie on the floor, do whatever, do it. We don't sit cross-legged. There's no reason to do that, and there's no reason to, um, you know, think that you have to be a Buddhist or have any kind <laughs> of religious leanings at all. You know, just come and enjoy it. I feel yeah. comfortable. Well, yeah. yeah, and that, that's exactly what it's about. It's about oneness. It's about being with yourself and shutting off everything else that is doesn't matter in that moment right (laughs) like I know for me um the bathtub is the perfect spot for me because the kids are in bed nobody comes in I can lock the door and I can relax and that's when I do I do it every night it's a routine and it's you know the other thing that irritates me um when some people say I don't have time to meditate because they think that right it's going to take forever but they can do other mindlessness things Mm -hmm. like watch TV, scroll their cell phone, you know, all these different things that are actually kind of feeding the negative is how I feel. I totally agree with you. I mean, the latest evidence is that we look at our um, mobile phones, check our social media 150 times a day. So, Mm -hmm. you know, even if I did that for 30 seconds, hey, hey guys, that's an hour. You could give that hour to being mindful. And I mean, you might only need to meditate for 15, 20 minutes at the very, very most. And you can practice mindfulness sitting on the bus. You can Mm -hmm. practice it going for a walk. You know, leave your phone behind, walk, look up, see how beautiful the natural environment is. That's a form of mindfulness too. So if you don't love, you know, the idea of sitting for very long, Find different ways, lying in the bath, going out, doing some art and craft, you know, things like knitting and, and making other crafts is very mindful. Coloring has become very popular. 
They're all ways mm-hmm. to take a break, be in the present moment, and, mm-hmm. and just do something that's enjoyable and good for you. Your mind gets a chance to rest from all the busyness. Yeah, yeah. and I think, like, especially um, women like myself, I have small kids, and I have a husband, and I have uh, two businesses, and, you know, like, life is so busy as it is. We need, you need, you listeners, if you're like me, you need that time because um, I think it can really affect, you know, your your health, everything, you know, your your mental health, your physical health, everything. Totally. I mean, having those moments of mindfulness allow us from, uh, you know, being able to rest, and the mind needs to rest. And if we can practice mindfulness, there's health benefits. We sleep better. I notice that a lot of people do more more kind of mindfulness uh, activities, including meditation. They sleep well. When you sleep well, the body's resting. It's good for you on lots of levels. And we become a lot kinder to ourselves when we can be in the present moment, we're calmer, and we're a lot more um, connected to other people, more, more positive altogether. I mean, there's so many great reasons to want to be mindful and to practice it. And I think if we can get people over the hurdle that it's all about meditating, then, then they'll give it a go and, and see just how good it can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think, you know, the other thing, too, is it's not something that um, just kind of changes overnight. Like, it's something you have to do every day, every minute. You know, mindfulness can be um, all the time, but, I mean, we ha- we always, like you said, we have that default. So once you're mindful, then you get that default where that negative voice comes in you can say oh that's that voice stop talking to me like that you know you could really be aware of it yeah and I think it's the awareness and you do that awareness with a lot of self-compassion so a part of mindfulness is, is that it's very gentle it's very kind it's really kind to yourself so even when that voice comes in, it's more like you're acknowledging, oh, hello, you're here. Okay, thank you very much. I don't need your voice. Rather than yeah. bad voice, go away. Because what mm-hmm. we resist, it'll keep coming back saying hello, hello. But when we acknowledge it, right. and then it just kind of fades into the background. So right. it's, it's learning not only to be aware, but to be aware in a way that um, you're kinder to yourself, you're um, having what I call a calm and connect sense about yourself, you know, a sense of emotional balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is do you, do you feel that when, uh, when people do start practicing mindfulness that their surroundings will change as well for the positive, like their, maybe their relationships, their jobs, um, the kids, all sorts of things. I think, yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, people can make very big differences in their relationships because they're more aware and they're kinder to themselves. It kind of resonates outward, 
Um, you want to be more compassionate to other people. You want to positively connect with other people. You feel happier. And of course, when we're calm and happy, other people respond differently to us than when we're stressed or angry. They sense it. So it's kind of like you feel it, they sense it, and everything just gets better. Um, and people yeah. get quite resilient as well through mindfulness. That's the other side of it, that they're, they're able to accept, but not in a giving up way, but kind of acknowledging is a better way, that sometimes things are a bit tough, and they can be really tough, or you can have a difficult day at work. But, you know, life is more fluid. We're living more in the flow. Nothing ever stays the same. So we are able to kind of cope with we have more fuel in the tank for when the day is a bit tough or life hits us sideways like it sometimes does right right instead of instead of falling kind of falling into that victim mode where you mm-hmm. just think everybody's out to get you because I know I know with my own life experience you know there's days I, I must have been mindful right from a young age because um, like I don't think I practiced it, but maybe I did in, in some way that I didn't know. Um, but I know for me, you know, the, the things that I've gone through in life, you know, I could very easily choose to kind of fall into that, you know, victim role. And But I, I don't. I seem to just kind of, you know, pick myself up and dust myself off and keep going, you know, and, and realize that that was yesterday and today's a new day. <laughs> I think you must be an inborn mindfulness person, Louisa. You know, that's that's yeah, an amazing, amazing thing. I read your story, so I think to be, you must have a lot of inner resilience that has kind of helped you get through. Yeah, something. I, I'm not quite sure because sometimes I, you know, when I sit and think about my story, I think, you know, I feel like I, I keep telling the story but it sometimes doesn't even feel like it happened to me if that makes any sense like it's almost surreal um so i think you know i don't know that's the only thing i can think is that some sort of mindfulness always there because i always um seem to learn and move forward yeah that's amazing i think that's absolutely fantastic yeah, and yeah. I know I know for me it's a great, you know, to just spread that to others so that they can um, do the same because I know I could see how people fall into that mode, but I, I can't relate because I've never done it. <laughs> so I, I think, yeah. you know, the best I can do is just spread or share my story, I should say, and, and bring people on, on my podcast like yourself that can – share the same story that I'm trying to put out there and, and kind of help people, women, people, men, children, anybody out there, you know. Um, I've even been very um, good with teaching my little ones mindfulness and and not only mindfulness, but um, really just saying how they feel. And, uh, you know, my little guy the other day, he was driving me crazy at four, and I told him, I said, would you just go away? <laughs> and he looked at me, and he says, Mom, that was rude. <laughs> and I, I said, oh, 
oh, you're right. I'm so sorry. And then I explained to him, you know, what I was doing and that in, you know, just give me five minutes and I will come in and you. And But I teach them to really tell me, you know, tell me how you're feeling. Don't just um, walk away off to your room and, you know, be sad because I don't, you know, if I've done something, I want you to just tell me. And he's very good for it. That's great. I mean, that's what we want people to do. And especially for boys, I think there's a lot of repressing how we feel. And, you know, this is how you're supposed to behave in a certain way. And and I think trying to change that and allowing emotions to come through to be able to say how we feel is so important because so much of what we do is we're resisting, pushing away our feelings, and then they build up. And we have a lot of suffering that comes because of that, angry, worried, stressed, and even worse, one can have ill health. And we we then end up with behaviors that are either blocking behaviors or drowning behaviors that cause a lot of problems and are difficult to to change for people. Yeah, yeah. And then once you get into a kind of a habit, I think... No, it's it, it is difficult, and then it's even more difficult to maybe become mindful, <laughs> you know. And and the other thing too is yeah. that the what that I touched on before the mindless things like the cell phone mm-hmm. and all that, um, and TV and all these things that you know, uh, mm-hmm. I I've noticed when you ask somebody, you know, if you had the time, what would you be doing? And they have something that they would do, but they say they don't have time. And I'm like, yeah. ah, I get so frustrated because it's, you know, if we just really paid attention, if we were mindful, we would see that. Like I know for myself, I, I check my um, usage on my cell phone all, like every week to make sure that I'm yeah. not being crazy on Facebook or, or whatever I'm on at that, you know, something. Um, usually for me, it's, it's silly games, but it's still mindless things that I could be doing so much more (laughs) yeah I think a lot of the time it's very easy to do these things and we get into an automatic habit we're not we're just like you said you're not aware that you're doing it and and that's what mindfulness does it teaches you self-awareness and sometimes you know that has to take the form of actually writing it down how much time did I spend on Facebook every day you know almost having to like you check your phone um, mm-hmm. You know, I think a lot of people don't realize they flip up their phone the minute they've got five minutes and they're flicking through it. It's very addictive because it gives you a good feeling. Someone's liked your post, you see something you like, and, and yeah. it's breaking that habit. And we're having to break quite strong automatic habits there. Um, and that yeah. takes a bit of time and a bit of effort on the part of the person. But mm-hmm. actually, even writing down, oh, I was on my phone, and then looking at it and looking at all those things, times you were on your phone and you could have been doing something else kind of is a bit of an aha moment. Um, mm-hmm. And I get people yeah. to do a little bit of a diary of what they did in the day and how it made them feel. And that's a bit of a wake-up moment. So we can look at it and say, well, how could we change some of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And really yeah. Just be aware of it. I totally agree. Because it's very automatic. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's very automatic behavior. I mean, it, it, it's 
quite difficult to break unless you bring it to your attention and then you make a real plan because, and I'm not sure you need to have like a big detox where you go away for a week. I think you need to just have to bring it into your daily life and think, right, I'm going to now have time, which is my mobile phone time. I'm going to make time for my emails and then I'm going to prioritize things that are good for me. And I often get people to write down all the things that sustain them in life, that give them positive energy, and to make sure that the balance in life between that and the draining stuff is, is correct. You know, when you do that, then you start thinking, well, how can I make more time for these things that are important to me in my life? I've got to prioritize them. Yeah, yeah, and it seems a lot of people, you know, I find um, are so driven on certain things that they kind of, lose themselves you know whether it be work or you know um finances you know they they just want so much money and and they kind of lose their own um purpose Mm. i think it's sometimes like there's a there's a wheel that i use and it's called the wheel of happiness and you map all the things in life that make you happy and then you map all the things that you do in life and then you look at the balance and it's you know, mm-hmm. oh, did I spend all this time at work or on emails or whatever it is, and I haven't prioritized right. any, any. That's really when people go to burnout, when they yeah. don't prioritize those things. And then, you know, you only need one extra thing to be chucked on top of you that you've got to do, and you let go of another thing that's important, that sustains you. Before you know it, you're at the bottom of this exhaustion funnel and it's a long journey back out of it. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. So how can our listeners find you? They can find me on my website, The Little Breathing Space. We're www.thelittlebreathingspace.com and that's where you can find more about me um, the work I do and the blogs I write about mindfulness and lots of different aspects of it. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, taking the time to chat with me and and to our listeners. Um, I know your message is going to impact a lot of listeners and to the listeners, um, definitely check out Clarissa's website because uh, I think, I, I just think that it's a good idea. <laughs> I'm totally for mindfulness and, and, and what Clarissa um, teaches and, and her message that she puts out there. So thank you again, Clarissa, for joining us. Thank you so much, Melissa. I love talking to you.